Welcome to Habibi Life. Here, we share practical advice to help you live an abundant life. Our goal is to help you fall in love with yourself by providing information and inspiration to help you reach your highest and your healthiest potential. This is episode 30, The Company You Keep. There are plenty of quotes, phrases, and folklore surrounding the choices we make and the tribes we build within our social circles. From birds of a feather to you are who you hang out with, there is no shortage of cautionary tales and spectacular disasters surrounding these choices. Most of us understand that we sometimes run the risk of being judged by our collective circles instead of as individuals but we often stop short of recognizing how the choices we make and the company we keep has a direct effect on the way we shape our overall existence. The circles we frequent can do more than just affect the way we present and behave in any given setting. They can also loosely predict both our personal and professional trajectories over the long term. I use the term loosely because, of course, there are always examples of the exception to this idea. But in the most general sense, we can be propelled forward, held back, or left static simply based on the people we choose to spend the most time with in our day-to-day lives. There is actual science to back this up. Studies on the neuroethology of friendship show that we are highly likely to make decisions about our own lives based on the company we keep. If we spend time around optimistic people, we too are likely to be more optimistic. If we spend time around pessimistic people, we may find ourselves, no matter how optimistic we naturally are, observing our environments in a narrow and negative way. To some degree, Our circles give us permission to behave in a way that is harmonious to the collective, regardless of whether that behavior harmonizes with our personal wants and needs. You might believe this line of thinking will lead to a conclusion about surrounding yourself with professionals if you want to succeed, or some such logic. No, the company you keep has nothing to do with socioeconomic status. It has everything to do with the quality of human that you decide to spend the most time with. That quality will do more to inform your personal and professional choices than some executive at the top of the corporate food chain ever could. Money, power, and influence can't hold a candle to compassion, kindness, and empathy. And while these things are not mutually exclusive, it's important to establish their value at the foundation of choice when it comes to forming and maintaining social bonds. Now, I understand that there are some connections that can't be helped. As a child, you don't get to choose your family or your environment. But as you grow, those choices become more accessible. And, delicate as it may need to be, there may come a time when you have to make a choice about who you are and how you wish to harmonize within this vast universe. It might seem easier said than done, this endeavor to untangle yourself from a circle that might not harmonize with your spirit, but it can be done. 
you can take practical steps to evolve your surroundings and your circle without necessarily throwing your whole past away. Step one, be honest about what you want. This might be tougher than you think. Sometimes we let our environment dictate our desires. And by this, I don't mean our dreams. Those can come and go in any scenario. But our actual desires. What do you want? Step beyond the obvious trappings like possessions or power and see to the heart of what you truly want. Identifying this desire may take more than a few sessions of sitting with yourself and the journey may be less than linear. But if you can truly identify what you want, then you can set a practical path to get there. Once you've done this, consider the way your current circle of friends and acquaintances harmonizes with that desire. If you were to evolve in a way counter to the collective, would they support you or would they suppress you? Would they accept your potentially new way of thinking, of doing, of being? Or would they turn away from you out of discomfort or fear? Will they be able to harmonize with you, whether they agree with you or not, and preserve the connection to you above all else? Instinctively, you likely already know the answers to these questions. Being honest about those answers can help you make a decision about what to do next. Step two, articulate what you want. Put it out there. Test the waters. Start acting as if. If your goal is to ask hard questions and take the time to explore those answers in a compassionate way, recruit someone in your circle to lend you a hand. How they respond will tell you whether they are the right candidate for the job. Or maybe your goal isn't that complicated. Maybe you're dealing with chronic pain and you want to start practicing yoga. Maybe that interest takes you beyond the basic poses and into something deeper. Maybe you're inspired to read more and experience more and perhaps hop on a plane to visit the practice at its birthplace. And maybe in your state of discovery, you start expressing yourself in new and exciting ways counter to your present environment. In this way, you are articulating what you want and the people who respond within your circle with support versus suppression. Those are your people. The articulation process though scarier than most of us would like to admit, is a great way to find out who is most likely to harmonize with your desires. And as you go through this process, please remember to show both yourself and the members of your circle some grace. Don't judge them any more than you'd want them to judge you. Be kind, be considerate, and express yourself responsibly. Sometimes when we get excited about a new direction, we might intentionally or unintentionally diminish the thoughts and feelings of those who feel differently. The problem is this behavior simply triggers a response in kind and suddenly 
everyone is in their feelings and no one is listening to each other. Now, unless you're a fan of this kind of chaos, it's best to choose another way. When we lead with compassion, we find that it's easier to reach our respective goals without damaging ourselves or each other along the way. And as an added bonus, you can also set the example of how you'd like to be treated by others as you grow in the direction that most likely reflects who you truly are. Step three, turn your thoughts into actions. It's one thing to articulate what you want. It's quite a different thing to act on it. Like the articulation process, you will learn who is there to support you and who would much rather do without this whole new you. You can take practical steps towards your goal, no matter what it is. And if you're not sure what that looks like, check out episode 15, The Keys to Consistency. And once you've done that, head over to step four, streamline your circle. This part can be nasty business. So it's important to approach this step with an open mind. It is possible to move within your circle in such a way that you spend more time with those who support you and less time with those who don't. But it can get touchy if your circle is small and if the members of it always insist on behaving as a collective. Instead of throwing the whole group away, consider shortening your time with them. This does not have to be obvious or uncomfortable. For example, if your group meets twice a week as tradition, consider cutting your attendance down to once a week. Further, consider cutting the amount of time you spend with them during that one meeting by a few hours. In the meantime, spend some of that extra time cultivating an alternative group of humans who harmonize with your articulated thoughts and feelings. Ideally, you might want to choose people who can move easily within your initial circle and help provide a little extra support without upsetting the group's overall balance. But if this isn't possible, consider alternative groups and places where you can spend more time evolving into this new version of yourself. Keep in mind that these groups and these places don't even have to meet your physical location standards. You can find plenty of communities online from around the globe with just a few keystrokes. It's worth your time to do the research as you find out where you need to be to truly thrive. Step five. Step into your authentic self. Now, you'd think that all of the previous steps would have allowed you to do that already. But we know that real change, especially those we execute within ourselves, takes time and patience. So you'd be forgiven for taking things very slowly in steps one through four before you deem yourself fit enough to truly fly. When we step into our authentic selves, we find that it doesn't matter what company we're in. We are our true selves in any scenario. And we understand that while everyone may not agree with who we are and what we choose to represent, we don't feel the need to shrink or apologize. 
True confidence is not forcing a large version of yourself, that is your ego, into a small space. It's holding yourself to the same standards as you would expect from anyone else and doing so with a level of empathy and compassion for everyone you meet. When we move through this world as our authentic selves, we understand that we cannot control the reactions of those around us. All we can do is consider the way we cultivate our own energy and respond in a way that honors who we truly are. And with that, we hope you found this information helpful. If you'd like to learn more about how to reach your highest and your healthiest potential, please peruse the latest issue of Habibi Life magazine. You can find it on HabibiBody.com, HabibiBodySport.com, HabibiLife.org, and ShahadaKareem.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us when we return for the next episode.